to sit around and wait for you. If you're sitting around waiting for me, that just seems, you know, counterproductive. We're both sitting around waiting for the other person. Right? Right. Are you here? Are you in the room? No. No? <laughs> it's 8.36 a.m. Saturday, June the 6th, 2020. I'm Bill. I'm Diane. It's the Bill and Diane show. There you go. I think this is an episode that's like it's got a zero on it or something, but I could be wrong. Those zero episodes, you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I hope the episode doesn't turn out to be a big fat zero <laughs> in and of itself. You know, that would be that would be bad. It would be bad to spend all this time, this prep time. I got myself a cup of coffee here, and I'm going to take me a sip. I'm going to look at all these notes I've got. Write all the scripts. Yeah, and... all these pages. Of ah, ham and eggs. Pages of notes I've got. Yeah. So let us begin with point one A. <laughs> Uh, indent <laughs> the fractious nature of of the uh, consciousness discuss <laughs> go ahead <laughs> it's been a hectic week here in lake amphetamine as per usual right diane it has been tell us all about it <laughs> thanks a lot tell us all about it save me from having to do any talking at all thank you very much okay goodbye gotta run got okay. things to do okay <laughs> no, you don't have to well, let me start out by saying there is no person, I believe, that has not been deeply affected by the events of this last couple of weeks. Yeah. And it seems so long ago since our last Bill and Diane show when we were questioning what we should do. And that was before so many other things happened this last week. Um, I have been thinking a lot myself about how interesting a time we're living in because we have this inability to really go out without fear of infection during a time when a lot of our, the flaws in our system is are being revealed so terrifically. Yeah. It ha- the flaws in our system have been exacerbated in their revealing by the pandemic itself. And, and what happened, those of us that were fortunate enough to be able to telework are teleworking. But other people are not in that kind of a job and they are out there and having to be essential workers or they're unemployed. So all of us were already fighting with this dilemma. And now the, uh, to my mind, horrific events of this week. Um, and last week. And last, I mean, the, the horrific events of last week that caused a totally justified protest that uh, spawned an entirely new <laughs> set of outrages from our system. And I find myself grappling with even how to express all of the things that are in my head because there's such a whirlwind of thought 
But what I started to say is that it's interesting that we are in a place that we are forced to be thinking about these things and forced to grapple with them. Whatever way you choose to grapple with it, you know, you can't really avert your eyes from what's happening. And personally, I think it's an invitation for us to uh, to remedy something that has long needed remedy. <laughs> but a lot of us who have always had difficulty with the way that our system is set up in such an unjust way are really having to think through how to go about in our own individual ways to remedy it. And because of that, um, I personally have not been posting anything about this on Facebook because what I really want is genuine conversation from people that I am around. I want to hear their true thoughts, not just because I almost feel for me that for me to be posting anything is still letting myself off the hook. Yeah. I don't want to let myself off the hook about turning a blind eye about this for so long. And I'm just trying to, uh, I'm really trying to educate myself these days. Yeah, I think what, if, I think posting on things on Facebook is a is a way of saying I've got it figured out. You know, it seems to be like, and and that's just, I, there, there's just no place for that. There just doesn't seem it doesn't feel like to me like there's any place for anybody uh, making any kind of statement that is a that says here's what's necessary or here's what you know. Well, because, I don't mind that people are doing it because we're all grappling it with it in different ways, mm -hmm. you know. And I think that the response for some people is, I have some things that I can provide that can educate you. But personally, I feel like it would be letting myself off the hook. Yeah. Or or trying to claim, hey, I'm not a racist, you know. Yeah. I, I feel like... The individual racism isn't the problem. It's the right. systemic racism that's the problem. Exactly. That's what's got to be addressed. And we've... And so I'm trying to educate myself on ways how to do that while seemingly remaining somewhat silent on social media. But in some ways, I was telling Bill just this week, unfortunately, I feel like because social media is so small, like this, you, you put up some small little statement rather than allowing you the breadth of conversation that is required for this because even with my stammering way of expressing myself right now it's partially because although these conversations aren't entirely new they're still new for me um, I remember when I was young and used to watch all in the family which my parents and I both loved. And it's really funny how you could watch that show and that my parents could still hold some of the 
the <laughs> the thoughts that Archie Bunker had and laugh at Archie Bunker, you know? Because certainly my parents used to say things like, oh, well, we don't want any blacks to move into the neighborhood because we might, you know, have our property values go down or something like that. What would the neighbors say? What would the neighbors say? What what, what will happen? And and for and I I often am thinking about well what in my own experience changed my mind from what my parents thought and what changed their minds from what their parents thought because they were certainly more liberal in their consciousness than their parents were mm. And we became more liberal, and I think it was partially, uh, I mean, when I identify it, I, I think that it was, first of all, going out in the world, seeing other people that were not in my normal suburban white neighborhood, but also being encountered in education, in college, with other people, and um, one of the... the biggest changes for me was having a black roommate when I was in in college and she was one of the rare people at PLU and I was the fortunate one who got to room with her. I learned so much from Vanita uh, during that time and I also learned from shows like All in the Family and because I always feel like in in that time of the 1960s when we were growing up there was a lot that was going on civil unrest and and people hippies and people assassinations assassinations and everybody was just trying to make sense of it back then the way that we're trying to make sense of it now but what i really fault myself about is that because i was seeing improvement in just the lives of some of my personal friends who are black or of other races in general. It's not just blacks that were affected by an an unjust system. I could sort of think everything's okay, you know, that things are getting better. And because none of my, my black friends, and I have some black friends who are strong black men, you know, they had never talked about what it was like for them to walk through the streets. Or, and I never asked. I mean, I never really thought of asking. And one of the things that I have really been thinking a lot is that there's so much that is at a personal level that we have to get to. I mean, why do people think the way they do? It has to be starting with having a personal conversation with them where people aren't getting defensive. Like if I was talking to one of my black friends and I am feeling defensive because I'm white, you know, that's, and I start feeling like, well, hey, I'm not doing that to you. I would never, you know, I, I feel like that's not helping. And I wonder how much of the conversation doesn't happen because I don't ask, but I don't even know to ask, even though I see all these things around me on the news. You know, this has been going on forever. 
and I, in my experience, and I see all these things and they kind of come and go in my consciousness. But this time, something really radical is happening, and I, uh, in my own point of view, because it's evoking me to want to change. It makes me want to have more conversations with um, my friends about some of the ways that we have thought and what has influenced our thought and how we can seek to be agents of peace in this world in a very real way. Right now, I mean, the the easiest thing to do for me was to, to donate to causes that are helping in this. And I don't think that that's a bad first step. You know, that's that first step that you can take. No, it's not a bad ongoing step. It's not a bad thing Well, to do. what I mean is, if that's my, my, my original first thought, that's the first thing that I can do. You know, that's... But it's not the only thing I can do. And I just am really grateful that this opportunity arose while I'm still alive. I mean, I've spent a great deal of my week weeping, as I did last week, too. And I don't want to allow this opportunity to pass me by, I guess. But I want to do it in a thoughtful way that's not just, you know, letting myself off the hook. I want to, I want to take the steps that are necessary to educate myself truly and do things that are thoughtful in the future. So, anyway, you threw it over to me and that's what I have to say. I see. Yeah, I think my education started when I was in fifth grade, when the uh, Tacoma School District did an integ- uh, desegregation program. It was called the Magnet Program, and uh, it was busing, basically. And this would have been in 67, around in there, and uh, Summer of Love, um, also the year of the Detroit riots things like that. So it was, and I, I remember suddenly there were black people in my classroom that hadn't been there before, and they seemed as fra- afraid of me as I was of them. But I remember, like, I would meet them, I would interact with them, like, on the Foursquare court and stuff like that, because I loved playing Foursquare. And so that was an area where, you know, we were all playing Foursquare together. And I remember moments looking at my black friends and thinking they know something that I don't know. Yeah. And I didn't know how to even reckon with that as a fifth grader. But there seemed to be something, there was something in those eyes that knew more than I knew. And part of me resented that. And I don't know what that means necessarily, but I recall that feeling. I mean, I, they, these were friends of mine um, I counted them as friends, and I knew them all through from there through high school graduation. My uh, middle school and high school were a lot more integrated than my grade school had been. And uh, 
but there was always something that I was almost jealous of them on some level because they, I knew that their lives were bigger than mine. Um, you know, I don't know how to even, but I, but it's, this is something that I'm working. It's an idea that I'm working with in my head right now as I'm doing research, as I'm trying to, trying to flesh it out. Um, I think the work that needs to be done is in the white community. Um, and that's where I want to focus my time is trying to figure out ways that I can engage in conversations intelligently and it, with, in an informed way, because saying I'm not racist is not even pertinent. That's right. It doesn't even, you know, it's not even, it's like a, I don't know. It's like, you know, you're, just, you're talking about the environment and you say the sky is blue. That's about how much it has to do with it. You know, it just doesn't have anything to do with it. So I'm trying to, like you say, educate myself. And there's, there are resources that are falling into my lap because I have established in my heart and in my head a curiosity to know more than I've ever known before. Suddenly things are just appearing right and left and it's just all right there and it's accessible in a way that it hasn't ever been and that it wasn't when we were kids and that it wasn't for our parents because the information uh, because information is so readily available now of every kind and the other thing I'm realizing is that the mindset that has come into existence because of social media it gives us all the illusion that we're living public lives, you know, so that each one of us feels like we have to make a statement. Yeah. Because, you know, people are going to be looking at my page and I, if I don't say anything, then, then you know, so right. there's this weird kind of twisted sense of expectation that because I curate my public, uh, I have my public uh, presentation of myself on social media, I, it is incumbent upon me, you know, as a media person to to have a statement to have something prepared to be able to respond in an intelligent way and i am you know we are colliding i think more and the people that i'm talking to my friends that i have known all this time are all just have crashed into a brick wall of just not having anything intelligent to say and realizing that everything that we have said before is null and void and was you know, basically just kind of like some, some weird piece of wallpaper or contact paper yeah. that you put up over the, you know, in order to keep yourself from having to encounter what's really there. And the more I look at it, the more I'm realizing that there has been a systemic, multi-generational, hundred years long system of denial that has been part of the inheritance of white people. Yeah. You know, and it is based on trauma that we do not want to face. And it's that trauma that has to be unpacked. It's like you know somebody who's got deep psychological scarring and they they refuse to deal with it and you see them acting out in these uncontrollable ways and you're wondering why why can't they just and you realize that this person's got a fundamental problem that is causing all this other stuff to happen and until that they deal with that fundamental problem yeah. their lives are going to be out of control well that is society's problem that's the whole society is grappling with that very thing and the, to unpack the history 
of this trauma is going to take a lot of work and it's going to take a lot of time and it's going to take a degree of commitment that we have not encountered before as a society. But if we, if we engage in this, then it will, it, the things that it could heal, you know, because it's the same kind of trauma that makes us, that makes people not understand gender issues or that makes them hate women or, you know, it's all this other kind of uh, stuff is couched in that same trauma yeah. and that fear of the other, that where that came from. When I think about the look in my black friend's eyes, I can, I can connect with that fear of the other. Because there was something in the knowledge that they knew more than I did that made me feel insecure. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so there's something in that, just that germ of that recognition of that moment of eye contact that is educational for me. And that seems like as good a place as any for me to start in my examination of what my history around this has been. And then, but also I think and I need to steep myself in a sense of history uh, that is more societal and because it's a psychological, uh, historical thing. Well, I think that that's the, the main crux of it for me is that I have always dealt with it on a personal level and not on a collective level. Yeah. And one of the things that I read just recently that really hit me was that uh, somebody was saying that love is an individual thing that you do but but social justice is a collective form of love yeah and so i feel like i have not been addressing the collective as much as i have the individual and it's great i think that we i i truly think everybody has to start with the individual i mean you have to start with your own heart and then work outwards but i always feel like you know i one of the things I've treasured the most about my experience of working at the University of Washington for 31 years now was that it was such a diverse community. And I was always so aware of what a precious gift I had been given by that. Because I have worked with people from all over the world. I have worked with people of all races and and genders and... Uh, sexual orientation and and I've gotten to know people on a very personal level and when you are able to talk to people it's just amazing one of my greatest uh, friendships that I had uh, developed was with a person who was Muslim and he was from Egypt and he would talk to me for hours about all sorts of things and he was trying to grapple with what was going on in our country when Trump was elected and and we would have long conversations when I was in pharmacology and I was thinking about just having a personal conversation with somebody who is in your view other than you in whatever factor that that other is I I always remember that I read that the people who have a lot of feelings of prejudicial that they that they are racist that they oftentimes don't know anybody 
that's from that other race or they don't know anybody who's gay they don't know anybody you know of course they know women <laughs> hopefully but uh, you know they they just don't know anybody yeah and then uh, the article that i was reading about that was about a, a person who was from the south and had gone into the north and they had a they got together with somebody from another race and they had their family was confronted with this situation they just had never known anybody you know mm -hmm. so they had to change their language and then they changed their language with other people because it was now a family member and i just feel like wow yeah i think we're realizing as uh a culture that the individual sense of your own individual standards your own individual morality is not enough that that doing just you know uh, you know we what you were saying about you've always dealt with your own personal you've always known where you stood personally that's just not that I think that what this moment is showing us is that the, that alone is not enough you have to take that personal and then you have to work in conversation and in whatever realms that you are working in keep doing what you do creatively and putting your putting your uh, what you do into the world um, but you have to be aware and you have to learn how to have a larger conversation uh, and also to call people out to say I, I'm gonna I'm gonna this I'm gonna draw a line in the sand here and if you want to be my friend you're gonna have to be able to you're gonna have to be able to access this uh, this conversation the conversation yeah. anyway. well I just anyway the the song that has been going through my mind for myself has been changed by Tracy Chapman because I remember when I first heard it it's always made me weep but for some reason it seems more timely now than ever but I think it's probably always timely when, when it is focused on in life. And uh, so I asked Bill whether we could have that be our, our music for today.
would you change? How bad, how good does it need to get? How many losses, how much regret? What chain reaction would cause an effect? Change.